Come on, give it up for Jesus right now. He's a healer. He's alive in this place. Come on, no other name is greater than the name of Jesus. Come on, Lord, thank you. We, you've given us your name. Thank you that your name is a, is a healing name, that no, nothing can stand in the presence of your name, God. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, you said that anything that tries to come against us has to bow. You said in the name of Jesus, everything must bow. Whether things in heaven or things on the earth or things under the earth, things in three worlds have to bow. So, Lord, I just speak to sickness or to decay or depression or chaos or, or doubt or fear. I just ask that you would make all those things bow at the name of Jesus. Thank you that we're your children, we're your sons and daughters, and that you've given us your stamp of approval, your name to call on to see things bow. We give you glory and honor today. Come on, if you believe that Jesus is still making things bow, give him one more shout of praise in this place. Lord, we bow to you. We thank you that everything else has to bow to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen, man, it's good to see you in the house of God this morning. 12.45, y'all alive? 12.45 is alive. It is good to see you. Come on, look at your neighbor before you grab your seat and say, Jesus is here and anything can happen. It is a great day to be saved, to be a believer following Jesus Christ. We're in a great series. Uh, real quick, Memorial Day. What an amazing weekend we get to celebrate in a free nation. If you're a veteran or have a family member that was a veteran, just raise your hand or stand up real quick. Any veterans in the house? Come on, would you stand up? If you have a family member veteran, thank you. And thank you so much. Thank you for your service and praying for you guys. God bless. Thank you for what you've done and the sacrifices you've made to, to country and family and friends and just everything you've given uh, and your family members have given. There's a high cost you've paid, and so we're, we're grateful for that. We celebrate that. And uh, my grandfather was a, was a turret gunner in the, in the Air Force in World War II. At 18 years old, flew, I think, 20 missions as a turret gunner and got shot down in his first mission over uh, Holland, had to be smuggled back to England. I got his Bible where after he got shot, shot down, he got water baptized in England, and uh, he's making that stuff right. He's like, we're going to make sure we're good with Jesus after getting shot down. And so, uh, man of faith. And so thank you for uh, just everything you guys have done. We believe with you and stand with you. Also, next week, um, we go to our summer schedule. So times will change next week. Uh, our new times. And uh, this will get you all to lunch quicker. So I'm glad you all are here. But this will help you get out and get to eat quicker. Um, we're going to go 9, 10, 30, and noon. 9, 10, 30, and noon. So this service will be a noon service. And um, in the future, we're going to believe to add a 5 p.m. service to that. So we'll go 9, 10, 30, noon. And then we're going to take about three months in the fall and build a launch team for, for a 5 p.m. service. And just Woo! keep, come on, somebody. And uh, believing for just every, everybody to, to help launch that as a, actually another team, another same church. But anything can happen at the 5 p.m. I might show up in swim shorts and a, and a tank top. And we'll be baptizing people all day. Power of God moving and uh, worship going longer. Who knows what's going to happen at 5 p.m. We're going to let loose. But, uh, but we're, we're, uh, we're excited about uh, these new times. So mark it down, please, 9, 10, 30 at noon. And uh, we're going to jump into the word real quick. And I think that uh, this series has been very powerful just uh, about the basics of faith. It's called the essentials. We've been studying on the essentials. And uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus, or was the half-brother of Jesus. And um, he wrote uh, some things to, uh, they were Jewish believers that had a lot of information, but not a lot of application. 
And so they had a lot of perspective and insight on info and the Jewish law and, and then Jesus and, and had some, some information. But James is saying it's not enough to get info. It's not enough to go to church on Sunday. How are you living on Monday to Saturday? And so how are you living this out, walking this out? And many of us have that same challenge. Come on, if we're human, if we're breathing, we have the same challenge of, of not just getting info, but actually living it out. And so James says, I want you to live out these things. And he talks about uh, trials. We looked at that week one, um, that we all face trials. Trials are a gift from God. Uh, God will, will uh, test us, but never tempt us. He will test us all day long. And so uh, there's tests that we go through, and many of you uh, run from every test because you don't like it, and I get it. I don't like them either, but you can't just jump to a new marriage because the marriage you're in has a test. And when you can't just jump to a new church because the church you're in has some tests. You can't just jump to a new boss because you have some tests with the job you're in. Many of us just want to jump from test to test. And God says, no, 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 stay under the test I've given you because it will mature you and bring strength and bring maturity and, and bring growth in your life. And so uh, I think it's important we look at trials. Then we looked at temptations last week. Uh, all of us will face temptations. Again, we need wisdom, James says, to handle temptations so that we can grow and mature. Um, temptations are a certainty, not a sin. Many of you think that when, you have, when you're tempted, you have that thought or that, that mindset of you're being tempted, that it's a sin. And then the enemy uses that to beat you up, discourage you, and actually drive you into that action that was just a temptation originally. You have to recognize that it's not a sin. It's just temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way and never sinned. Come on, if he could be tempted and not sin, so can we. You know, so James is saying, here's how you, how you follow the devil's tricks and his schemes. So you're, you're having wisdom when you're tempted. This week, we're going to look at the truth, the word of God, faith and truth and what that looks like. James really sets a precedent in chapter one and two about the word and about faith and about the truth of God's word. Next week, we'll look at the tongue. Um, and what the tongue does, and it's going to be a great sermon. So bring some friends, bring some family, uh, get them in the house of God. But this week, we'll look at the truth. We're going to start in James 1.25. And James really sets the precedent for the entire book with these, this thought right here. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he hears. No. This one will be blessed in what he does. James is setting us up saying that it is not information that brings life change to you and I, but it is application that brings transformation. And he's teaching us as believers we have to have application. James 2, 14 through 26. This is in the message version. I love this version. Very amazing teaching here that James gives us about faith. He says this, dear friends, do you think that you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is an outrageous nonsense? Come on, help us, Jesus. I'm going to preach today. I'm going to give you all some stuff today. Come on. I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. 
Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? That blows me away that, that demons, demons believe. Demons have faith to a degree. Demons you know, have that kind of faith. Do we sit back? What kind of faith do we have? You know, is it, is it demon faith? Come on, you can, have, you can believe in all the things and have all the information but not actually act on it. That's just demon faith. Yeah. You can believe in holiness but walk in perversion. You got demon faith. You can believe in giving but walk stingy. You got demon faith. Wow. You can believe in, 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 in forgiving but walk in bitterness. You've got demon faith. Ha! Oh. Oh. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I'm preaching to me today. You, you can say you, you love your, your spouse and believe in your marriage and, and, and not ever sow any affirmation or, or, or do anything or build any passion. You got demon faith. You say you believe in your kids and champion them, but all you ever do is ridicule them and beat them down and find all the mistakes. You got demon faith. All right. I'm going to move on in the text. It says demons do that, but what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two? And not end up with a corpse on your hands? Come on, that's why I'm sharing this today with you. James is saying, look, faith and work. That's why we're a loud church. That's why we're a rowdy church. Come on, church isn't fun until it's loud. Yeah. Come on, church. We can be church. It, it's a, that's why we respond and we clap and we say, yeah, and we get engaged. Because, because you can say you've got faith and passion for Jesus Christ, but without action, it's just a corpse. Come on, we're not going to be a dead church. We're not a dead church, anybody. Come on, 1245, better be alive. This is, this is the last 1245 we've got. We're going back to noon next week. You can find a dead church down the street. I don't, this is, we're, not a, we're not a dead church. And he, James is saying, like, you've you got to be careful, like, even with worship. Like, like, why do we dance? Why do we sing? We put words on the screens, and some of y'all won't even sing those words. You know, because there's action to it. And if you s- separate faith and action, then it's just a dead corpse. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's not, we don't do what we do because we think it's the right way. We do what we do because we don't want to be a dead corpse. And James says it. He goes, he, he goes on. He says, look, you got a dead corpse in your hand if you try to separate the two. You can't separate them. Abraham says this. Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works? When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's the mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God by the barren, uh, not by a barren faith, but by faith with fruitful in works? The same with Rahab the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing? That's what counted with God. The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works and you get the same thing, a corpse. Come on, James is saying you can't separate the two. You've got to have both, and we've got to profess our faith, but we also have to have works. My title for today is simply this. It's simply first-class faith. First-class faith. Let me pray with you real quick. Father, thank you so much for what you've done in our day already. Thank you for getting us here. Thank you for bringing us alive in Christ. Thank you that you're the only one that can change us and that can help us to walk out what you created for us. And so we give you access to our heart today and to our life. Uh, Let me share your heart, God. 
In Jesus' name, let us see you so we can be like you. Amen? Amen. A first-class faith. I, uh, I was flying to Billings, Montana last week and was going on a little fly fishing trip uh, with about 15 pastors in Montana. We were in a little lodge on the, on the river, in the Bighorn River, and uh, went out there fishing. My office booked my flight out there. And uh, I found out it left, my flight left at, four, at 6 in the morning, so I had to be up at 4 in the morning, catch an Uber, and did the Uber thing, got to the airport. Uber, Uber lady showed up late to my house, so I only gave her like four stars, didn't give her five stars. You know, I mean, you can't be late for a brother that got up at 4 a.m., you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like come on, somebody, I was up, you, you better be up, you know, get to my house. And she's like, when she got up there, she's like, everything's good, I'm only 10 minutes behind. I'm like, she's like, you'll get, you'll get to the airport plenty of time. I'm like, lady, you're supposed to be here when I put it on the little clock. I've been up since four, and so we gave her you know, a little smaller tip, but I tipped her whatever, you know, we got there. Got to the airport, got on the plane. I looked at my connecting flight, and, and I had two connecting flights. I had to go from Knoxville to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then from Minneapolis to Salt Lake City, and then from Salt Lake City all the way to uh, Billings, Montana. And when you see two, it's like, oh, man, that's terrible. I'm like, you know, trying to just, all right, this is what it is. Well, I get to Minneapolis. And I got about an hour to get to the plane and um, don't really have time to eat breakfast or do anything, but I got an hour. So I start getting, going to the plane. I get up to the little area and I hear my name called over the loudspeaker. I'm like, what is up with that, man? I didn't make, I, you know, I tipped the Uber driver okay, you know, I don't know what's up. You know, what's wrong? Did I, is my flight wrong? Something messed up? And I get up there and she says, sir, I'm sorry, the flight is full and we need your seat. We have a seat, you have your seat, but would you be willing to give your seat up? And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I mean, I got to get there by one o'clock. If I don't, there's a bus that's leaving me. They're going fly fishing and I don't want to be uh, stuck in Billings and they're up there do, having fun, you know, so I'd like to get to the, she's like, we'll get you there by 103. You won't even, you'll get there at the same time. It won't even be different. I'm like, oh, really? Uh, she said, yeah. She goes, listen, if you'll be willing to give your seat up, you have about three hour wait uh, here. You can go get something to eat, but you'll, you'll get in at the same time. Uh, we'll upgrade you to first class, sir, and we'll give you a $200 fly voucher. I was like, Yes. I'll do that, you know, all day long, you know, and uh, she's like, sure, and so she puts me in seat D3, a couple hours go by, I get some breakfast, I buy a little, some headphones, whatever, and I go, and I get on the plane, they put me in seat D3, I'm sitting there, I walk into the plane, I sit down, it's good, you know how when you get into first class, it's just a little bit different, I don't know, I don't fly, but you just, you know, you just feel a little something, just a little different, you know, just something in your step, you know, it's like, what's up, first class, you know, I'm like, you know how you, you know how you walk by the first class people and have all the stories in your head about what they do, you're like, man, that's the one's a model, you know, they started a company, I wonder, I just get all these thoughts, like, what do they do, how they, why are they in first class, you know, and uh, so I had all those stories about me now, I was sitting, I'm like, uh-huh, I'm a model, yep, started Uber, yeah, first class, what's up, people walking by me, and uh, and I'm sitting there just relaxing, you know, and they're serving us some drinks and stuff. No one else gets anything yet, you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and they they like, you know, how are you doing, sir? Good. And I just start to relax. This boy comes in to sit in my seat right next to me. Big boy. Big boy. Okay? I'm like praying he's not by me. I'm like, please, Lord. You know how you do with the, you're like, please, Lord. That's too, they're too big. It can't fit. You know, I need some, some elbow space. Or a little baby's coming by. You're like, please, God, send the baby to the back. You know what I mean? Don't let it happen. Y'all know. Don't act so holy in church. You know, big boy's coming to sit by me. He, he scoots by me, you know. I've got, I've got to stand up. He gets in, sits down. You know, guy looks like a normal guy. I don't know. Maybe he's, you know, dressed kind of nice, kind of got some, you know, flight attire on, comfortable, got a little sweatsuit and whatever, and, you know, shaved nice and sits down by me. And he just, just goes out, you know, right away. I'm like, all right, this is fine. Just he'll be over there. I'm over here. I got some room. About five minutes into the, into the flight, we're getting ready. We're taxiing to take off. I'll, I'll just start smelling something. I'm like, oh. 
I'm like, oh, air, maybe it's airplane air. It's airplane air. It's the recycle. It's air. And so I'm turning my air off. It gets worse. I'm like, oh, my God. I turn the air on. I start. Th- I'm like, where is it coming from? Is the dude by this aisle or is the dude by me? Please, God, don't let it be the dude by me. I mean, so bad. I'm like, ooh. I mean, my, I'm, I'm getting nauseous. It's like, I don't know if it's coming from his feet, whatever orifice it's coming from, if it's coming from, if it's some cheese somewhere in his pocket. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm like, this is, I'm in first class. This ain't right. I mean, this dude's got to, he can't smell like this in first class. You know what I mean? I got to bathe. The, the lady, he's out cold. Everybody, it's like the whole aisle. I tank the air. I, fo- I fo- focus the air on him to try to blow the scent up to the wall. Like, blow it that way. And it's hitting the wall, ricocheting, coming back at me. I'm like, God, this isn't working. I take it and I turn my air the other way to try to blow it across my face to get it out into the aisle quicker. And I'm thinking, that's not working. The stewardess comes up next to me. She's like, what? I'm like, it ain't me. It's that dude right there. I showered twice, twice a day I shower. She's like, I'm so sorry, sir. She's apologizing to me. She's smelling the aisle. I'm like, oh my God, it's terrible. I'm leaning out in, I'm leaning out in the aisle. I, he's awake by now. I don't even care. I'm out in the aisle. He's awake. I'm like, I don't care. You should have bathed, dude. You're going to have body language all around you that says something. It is bad. And I'm just sitting like this. Finally, I get up. I can't take any longer. I get up. I walk up. The stewardess is in her little chair. She's like, it's bad. I'm like, it's bad. I was like, I, can, she, I was like can, we, can you spray him? Can you spray him with some perfume? When he falls asleep, would you? She's like, I can't do that. She, she's like, I'll spray myself, though. She sprays herself with some perfume and kind of walks the aisles, you know, and just get, gets. I'm like, thank God, thank you. But it was still, and now it was cheese and perfume mixed together. <laughs> Finally, I'm, I'm almost dry heaving. I get up. He's asleep again. I walk up to the front, and I was like, and she's like, I'm so sorry. They got the other stewardess with her. It's this dude and her. And, and she's like, sir, listen, we'll get, what's your email address? And she takes it. She's like, we're going to send you a $20 Delta voucher for customer inconvenience. I'm like, it's going to take more than $20, honey, <laughs> to cover that stench. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, it just didn't make sense. This dude has first-class seat but a demonic stench. Come on, first-class seat. But it didn't match the smell that was coming off of him. Come on, James is saying a lot of times we've got first-class faith. Like we're sitting with all of our faith, but what's coming off our life is smelling a lot like it doesn't match what we're living and believing. And he's saying, listen, this isn't the kind of faith I want you. When you separate faith and works, you get a dead corpse. You get a bad stench. Like you can say you believe and you can have faith and you can sit in first class. You can be the biggest believer and the biggest champion. But if your works aren't matching it, the world's looking at us and going, man, what stinks? And this dude was deceived. No one else, he didn't know that he didn't know. He, he, everybody else knew but him. I mean, when we live like this, all the world that's looking for the Christian church to rise up or the believers to rise up, and we're saying we believe, they smell something that doesn't match what we say we believe. Does that make sense? Yeah. And James is saying, look, we cannot disconnect the two. It's good to have faith, but it doesn't end there. Faith is just, it's just the, the, the proponent to get us into the works and to get us walking in what God called us to walk in. I don't want to have this stench coming off my life when I'm sitting up in first class. It doesn't fit. And a lot of times we say we have faith, but then we walk in greed. It doesn't fit. We say we have faith, but we walk in perversion, and it doesn't fit. We say we have faith, but we walk in anger or bitterness, and it doesn't fit. We say we believe for our marriages or our kids, but we walk in things, and it just doesn't fit. And James is saying, this stuff doesn't fit. You walk in insecurity, but say you believe in the one and true God that gave you life. It doesn't fit. You say that you walk in faith, but then you walk in worry. It doesn't fit. 
That, just because you got the seat doesn't mean that you're walking out what God wants you to walk out. And James is saying, come on, we've got faith, but we've got to be doers, not just hearers. We've got to not just come to church, not just get the word, not just sit up in first class, not just have this faith. It's a demon faith. Come on. And, and when we have just demon faith, that's phony faith. And I don't want that kind of faith. I, we say that we believe in the nations and we believe that Christ is returning. We believe that souls matter. Come on, who do, we, who do we tell about Jesus then? We believe souls matter. Who do we invite to church? We believe that people need to be reconciled to the Father. Where do we go tell it? How do we go to, our, my brother right here goes to prison every week and does a prison ministry. We've got all types of ministries and all types of things to be a part of. We say these things, but, but does it fit with the seat that we're in? Does that make sense? And James is telling us, don't have a phony faith. He says this in Ephesians 2. And I think sometimes this is why we don't walk in it. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so he's saying this, that God has prepared good works for you already. But many of you believe that you're not good enough or capable enough or equipped enough to walk in those good works, or ready enough. And so what you do is just default to faith. But what this scripture says is that God has prepared good works for you, but it also says he's prepared you for good works. It says you're his workmanship. He's crafted and created you in a way to fulfill every dream, every call, every passion, every design that he's made you for. You have everything that you need. You are God's best. You got the goods. And sometimes we sit back and only stay with faith because we think we're not prepared for what God has. God's got a plan for your life. And he, he, he says, I've designed you. And he wants us to connect faith and works. He wants you and I to have a dynamic faith. Well, a lot of people think a dynamic faith is what I do. This is not dynamic faith. I've got the same struggles and the same battles that you have. Dynamic faith isn't a great orator, isn't a speaker, isn't, isn't those things. It isn't somebody that you think's out front or you think has dynamic faith. Dynamic faith is this, simply doing what he created you to do. Maybe it's being the best mother in this city. Maybe it's being a caring father. Maybe it's being a business owner. Maybe it's being a great employee. Maybe it's being, what, maybe it's being the, whatever it is. Maybe it's being an encourager. Maybe it's starting your own little business. Maybe it's being a pastor, whatever that is. But it's not a personality type or a style. It's just saying, God, I'm going to do what you made me to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak when you've called me to speak. I'm going to act on what you've given me and the truth that I have. If we have faith, we only have half of it. If we have faith, we only have 50% of it. We go to church, that's only 50% of it. And church isn't about faith. Church is about community and life and relationships and friendships and championing this thing together. James says, if you disconnect the two, basically, it's not advancing the kingdom. It's not helping you grow, and it's not helping anybody around you to disconnect faith from works. So write this down. It's very simple. Faith and works have to be connected. They, they, ha they have to link together. And uh, that's, what I'm, that's kind of the first thought is just that faith and works, just connect them. Just decide. Whatever God's asking you to do right now, sometimes he might be asking you to do something, you're just kind of settling back, and you haven't done that yet. Just say, God, I'll do what you're asking. I'll do that next step. I'll, I'll actually do the work you're asking me to do. Uh, I've got Apple TV. Any Apple TV users? 
I got Apple TV. Anybody ever got the Apple TV? It came unplugged and you were frustrated with everybody in the house because <laughs> you thought they did something to the Apple TV. Come on, you were mad at Apple. You were mad at Comcast. You were mad at, you were mad at all your kids. Like, man, I remember my, I, something happened. I couldn't get it working. I was frustrated with everybody. Who did it? Where the, what happened? Why is, it, is the battery dead? Whatever. I was frustrated on everything. And then I looked, I said, oh, it's unplugged. <laughs> you know, frustrated with every. You will live frustrated. You'll live frustrated until you connect into what you were designed to do, until you, how you were designed to live, how you were designed to give out. Here's the question. Are my actions cooperating with my faith? I mean, I'm, I'm working on that with my wife and I. Like, it's easy to say I love you, but are my actions cooperating with that? It's easy to say I'm sorry, but are my actions cooperating with that? It's easy to say I'm passionate, but are my actions cooperating with what I believe? Are our actions, we, it's easy to say, it's easy to get the information. I can read 15 books on marriage. I can read 15 books on leadership, but are my actions as a leader cooperating with what I believe that got in me with the information? And so James is just telling us, look, are our, are our actions, do we have first-class faith or is it just phony? No one wants to wake up and say, oh, I want a first-class phony faith. I want to sit in the seat and stink up the whole section real bad. And everybody else knows but me. That's not who we are. That's not who you are. That's not who I am. I, I'm going to allow my faith to cooperate and, and putting actions to that is saying, okay, I'm going to cooperate with my faith. God, I've got faith. We often say it. God, I've got faith for finances. I've got faith for business. I've got faith for my marriage. I've got faith for my kids. That's amazing. We want faith for our future and all those things. But if there's no actions that go with it, it's not real. And so there's, there's, there's ways. I mean, I think sometimes without works, we're, there's, there's no cooperation. James gives this example. He says, Abraham, when he went to, to actually sacrifice his son, he had this action of faith, and his actions that came with faith actually cooperated and made him a friend with God. And so I, so I want to be a friend with God. I want you to be a friend with God. The reason I'm sharing this, I don't want you to walk around with a dead corpse in your home or a dead corpse in your church, or a dead corpse at your job. God wants us not to have something that stinks or that's dead. He said, I want you to have something that's alive and vibrant, and you could actually put your actions to. A couple thoughts about where you could put your actions to in faith right now. We've got student camp coming up in about a month, I believe. We've got Access Nation. You saw the, the advertisement on it. Come on. It's going to be awesome. We had a one night. I don't know if any students were here for our one night uh, last week. We had llamas here on the church property. Come on. It was called the Llama Bahama. Come on, Alex. It was awesome. Bahama Llama. Is that what it is? Thank you, man. Bahama. That's the next youth pastor right there. Bahama Llama. And uh, I, mean, I mean, any church that has llamas, something's fun, something fun's happening. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we have camp coming up. And um, many of you believe in the next generation. We'd ask you, we've kind of scholarshiped a lot of kids. And so maybe if you have a heart to kind of help us offset that, we're about $5,000 of, of scholarships and money that we've given away. So we'd love to have people say, man, I believe in that. And give, I'm not twisting your arm, but maybe God puts that on your heart. We'd love to have you sew into that and kind of help us offset that. Don't give that in place of your tithe because we need to keep operating. But if you would say, man, I just got a little offering I want to give to the, the students of next gen, man, jump in on that. Another thing, you know, a lot tithing. Let me say this. Many of you believe in generosity, and you hear teaching on tithing. You've got a lot of information on tithing, but you don't put action to tithing. And, and let me share this with you about the, the Word of God. In Malachi, it says this, that um, he, God says, you've robbed me. And they say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. And then he says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. A lot of people think that that scripture is talking about God was robbed of money. God does not need our money. He needs none of our money. He, when he says, you've robbed me, now test me, what he's saying is, we've robbed him of the opportunity to bless us. Wow. 
He goes, you've robbed me. How have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Test me now and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and bless you. He's saying, you're robbing me of the opportunity to bless your life and your business and your finance. Quit robbing me of that. Not, not about your money. And so maybe that next step of faith to you is saying, man, I'm not going to rob God of blessing my life. I'm going to believe God and walk in tithing and walk in. And some of you saw the illustration I did with the fruit up here. It's such a powerful illustration. God doesn't want your stuff. He wants to overflow your life. But he does test us in that area. Or actually, he asks us to test him in that area. Another area that you maybe could put action to your faith is connect groups. We've got connect groups. We're starting in a couple weeks. We have connect groups in our church, smaller groups of 10, uh, 8 to 10 to 12 people um, that meet every week. We have some hiking groups. We have some uh, study groups. We have men's groups. We have uh, prison groups that go to prison. We've got all types of groups. And I'm just here to tell you that, that you cannot grow in your faith just sitting in a room with a bunch of people that you never know. And our vision statement is that we would experience God. That's first. Our mission statement, we'd experience God. That's what we do, coming together like this on Sunday, experiencing worship, experiencing God, experiencing the Word of God. The second part is that we would find freedom. I promise you that 99% of the freedom God wants to give you is in the context of relationship. That's where it comes from. And it's not easy. And many of you are so closed off to you with your own little circle and your own group. And you're, and you're here in this house. And we as a family believe in connect groups. And you're kind of resistant. And you don't have the time. And I don't know anybody. And it's going to be weird. And, and probably yes to all that. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be easy. And you're not going to know people. I, 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 last semester, I led a little men's connect group over here in my, in my office. And, and it was at, at, at 6 a.m. in the morning. We had about 10 guys that I didn't know. And you think I was just like, woo, get to get up and hang out at 6 a.m. with uh, 10 strangers. Yay. No, I didn't do that. But Jeff and I know each other better now. And some other brothers in the church know each other better now. And I put myself out there and, and we got to know it. And, and, and you've got, I preach it, so I'm going to live it. You know, I'm in a connect group. Here's what I'm saying. As a family member, and you say you believe in this place, we do connect groups. It's part of our vision and mission. So I want to encourage you, like, and when, they, when we have our rally, like, sign up. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be consistent on your calendar. It's not going to be the easiest thing for you to do. But I promise you, you're going to get something that's alive in your life, more so than just having faith and saying, I believe in this place. Many of you believe in this place, and you're here. We have serve teams. And I would, I would pray, and it looks like everything goes off well, and our music works, and the lights work, and all this stuff. We have a lot. Of, we need you. We're growing, and we need help, and we need you on teams, and we need you to serve. Don't just have faith for this place. Have faith to build this place. Don't just believe in this place. Put action to building this place. We've got tech teams back there, and we've got sound people, and we've got camera people, and we've got people for admin over in the office that need help, and editing, and, and we need videographers and graphics design, and we need kids ministry people that pour out their gifts and talents on our kids and teach the Bible and sing songs, and we need prayer warriors, and we need ushers who ush. Come on, good job, ushers. We're flexing back there. We, I mean, so we say, well, when do I get to get on stage? When do I preach? Well, uh, the minute you can go in the kids' zone and not, not be known by anybody and pour out your gifts and pour out your talents and love and build and bless, and God will get you seen when he wants to make you seen. Does that make sense? But again, again, that's putting actions to what you believe. Don't just say you believe in this place. Love my church. Got a great church. High five. Because I'm going to preach like crazy this over the next couple months and years. And I'm going to make you so uncomfortable that you'll probably leave if you ain't serving. Because <laughs> everybody will say, I love that church. But when you start getting the real rubber meets the road with the actions, they'll say, man, oh, how do I get involved? How, oh, get on a serve team. Oh, I don't know. How do I get, get on a team? 
Get in a connect group. Oh, well, do, I have, do you have counseling? Do you have men's ministry? No. Do you have women's ministry? No. Do you have, no, we got connect groups. We got serve teams. You know, when, when, it time, when it comes time to actually get engaged with the action, then I'm, I'm, a, I'm not trying to get a massive crowd. I'm trying to make sure you don't go home with a dead corpse in your life. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. That's my job. I, and so James is saying, come on, we, we're going to have first class faith. When people see that kind of faith, us engaging, we got a big serve day in July, giant churchwide serve day. We'd love you to sign up for that. Again, look, I'm not beating you up. This is not a beat up message. I'm just challenging you, challenging myself. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of this can happen anyway. It's not by us trying harder. So I want to encourage you. There's a place and a needed spot for you that you could put your action into. That's first class faith. That's people looking at our life and going, wow, that's the real deal. We're not just taking up the seat. We're not just sitting in first class on Sundays. We're going, okay, man, I got some action that goes with this. I'm a part of it. James says it this way. We don't need more information. We need transformation. Come on, we're Transformation Church. It'd be easy to get all the information. It's dangerous in our culture. Right, podcasts, books, Bibles, stores that distribute Christian, uh, Christian language. Every we got so much information, and we think a lot of times in Christendom that information plus transformation equals application, and it doesn't work that way. We think this. We think okay, or excuse me. We think that if we actually get the info, and then we we're going to change. And then we'll apply it. People say, well, once I get changed, once God works in my life, once I'm different, once I get holier, once I get cleaner, I'm going to hear the word. And once I'm just not there yet, then, then I'll apply it and I'll do this or I'll serve or I'll do what God's asking me or I'll preach or I'll get in the It doesn't work. James is saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's information plus application. Then transformation comes. Life change comes after you begin to apply it. And the devil will tell you every day of your life that you're not ready, that you're not good enough, that you don't have what it takes to get you not to apply what the word of God says in your life. No one's going to like me. Can't go to a connect group. It's going to be weird. I'm, I'm going to be the outcast. He's going to tell you all these things. Can't get on a serve team, whatever it is. But James is saying, no, no, no. We need application, application, application. And that brings change in my life. I need action. You know, for me, I joke around all the time, but when I preach and you guys cheer and clap and get involved and respond to me, I actually preach faster. I used to not think that was true, but it's true. It actually is true. When, when no one responds, I, we've timed it. When no one responds, it goes longer because I say it over and over and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Because I don't, because I don't, yeah, you're like ready for lunch. I don't, because I don't think you're getting it. I was, I was preparing for this and God said to me, why do you think I keep repeating stuff to my people? Because there's no response. Why, God said, why do, why, do I, why do you think I keep telling you the same thing every week? And some of you are wondering why God's telling you the same thing today that he told you five years ago or two months ago because you didn't do anything with what you heard last month. And you're wanting something new from God. God, just show me. Just tell me. What should I do? And God's going, you didn't do what I told you last time. I'm going to keep saying what I told you. I'm tired of hearing the pastor preach on generosity. Well, you ain't doing it. No, you all are, but. Y'all do. But, but God's just telling me, like, son, I'm going to keep taking you to that. I'm going to keep repeating it until you actually respond. Write this down. Revelation without application brings frustration. Most of us have far more revelation than application. We have far more information than obedience. And, and a lot of times we're wasting the information and the, 
and the, and the faith that we have. I don't want to waste the faith. Anybody like to eat healthy, get broccoli and asparagus and fruit and all that? He said, nope, right down the front. And I, get, I brought broccoli, and I put it in that little thing called the crisper. And that's a lie because it goes bad in like three days. It doesn't keep it crisp. It rots. I'm supposed to make it faster than three days or four days, right? And I looked at that. I said, well, is that broccoli still good, babe? Expensive broccoli and asparagus. And they're expensive. And so I get that stuff. I feel good. I'm like, we're starting a new turnover, new, new nutrition. Yeah, put broccoli in there. Shut it in there. And then I go to get it, and it's all rotten. And I'm like, huh, it's a waste. Just because I've got broccoli in the refrigerator doesn't make me healthy. Just because you've got some word up in the cold places of your life don't make you healthy. You, I actually have to get the broccoli out and prep it and cut it and let's take some work and clean it and, and sauce it and saute it and put it and cook it and put some heat and some trials of life on it and begin and then it begins to permeate the house and people walk in and go, Well, that stinks, I smell some broccoli. <laughs> Yum. And you think that just because you got info inside of you, but no, if you actually begin to take that info and that, that revelation and pull it out and cook it and saute it and, and heat it up and put it into application in your church and your community and your home, people get around you and go, wow, that smells healthy. What is that? But if we don't, we just waste faith and it's expensive. Faith is costly and I don't just want this stuff to rot in my life or your life. We need the word. It's not the end game. The word is just the beginning to get us to the actions that God wants us to walk in. James calls it like a mirror. He says this. He says that when you look into the word, you're actually looking into a mirror. He says that any man that looks into a mirror and then goes away and forgets what he looks like is a man that looks into the word and goes away and doesn't do it. So deceiving himself. Here's the bad thing about deception. That dude in first class sitting there, he didn't even know he was stinking everybody up. But we all knew. When we get deceived, when we look at the word and go away, everybody else knows we ain't living the life that we're professing. But we don't know. And deception is terrible because it's double judgment. You don't know and you don't know. And it's scary. And I don't want to be deceived by not doing what he said do. The mirror, James says, is you look into it and it's the, it's the perfect mirror that gives a reflection of who we are and who God is so that we can actually do something. We don't walk away and not do anything. Think about this. You don't, looking in a mirror doesn't make you pretty any more than reading the word makes you holy. Sometimes we think just getting the info in us makes us holy. Like, if looking in the mirror made, us, made me pretty, man, I'd be good to go. <laughs> looking in the mirror doesn't do anything. You know, if I walk, I'm still working on about 20 pounds. If I walk by the mirror and I see that 20 pounds, and I said, man, i got to do something about that, and never did a thing about it, it's, it's, it's not going to do anything until I put it into action, until I begin to lift some weight, until I've got to put it into action. The mirror just gives me the context for what I need to change. The mirror just gives me the picture for what I need to adjust, for the makeup I need to apply, or the eye cream I need to put on. Come on, I'm 44, and my eyes ain't bouncing back in the morning like they used to. <laughs> the mirror just says, hey, I need you to make some adjustments, and that's what James is saying. Like, don't just look into the Word and just get the Word. Like, actually do something with it and begin to apply it, and then you'll begin to see change come into your life. And listening to sermons doesn't make you any more like Christ than looking in the mirror makes you pretty. It's actually applying it and doing it and stretching and reaching. I've got a friend named Terry Bowman. He's one of our security guys here. He owns a gym in town. He's giving me a free membership. I'm his pastor, so he hooked me up. And I give him promotion at services like this free advertising but 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 if you can you guess how many times i've been there in the last like three months twice do i look that bad dang, girl dang oh three times come on somebody <laughs> three times and uh 
And Terry looked at me the other day. He's like, bro, yeah, I know this guy that gave his friend a free gym membership. And like, he doesn't come. And uh, he goes, do I need to pay you to come? I was like, that's not a bad idea. Here's what I wrote down. What we obtain, uh, obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. And, and, and sometimes the word is just so easy and so cheap in our life. And it's just another, and if, it's just, if we just obtain it so cheaply, if it doesn't cost us anything, but it's not a sacrifice, we just esteem it lightly. And we don't, and God's saying, I, I, need, you to, I need you to put your faith and actions together. We're going to be a church of action. Come on, I love the Bithorns, man. These guys, if you saw what they did for people, man, you would be blown away. It blows me away. It challenges my faith, this couple right here. Substitute teacher, serving people, moving people into their home, giving away food, blessing the homeless. I mean, all, fixing people's houses, helping the elderly, helping widows, always strategizing on how to serve and help people. I've had to put a little reins on her. She's like, can we buy 18 buses and pick up the whole city? I'm like, my God, who's going to do that? Remember, She's got a heart for the city, heart for the humanity. You know, God's just saying, we're a church of action, putting our faith and our actions together. And what does that look like? And come on, we can't just take in calories as Christians. And there's all types of things around this house and in this city to apply a workout to in our life and in our faith. Stand with me and I want to pray for you. I'm determined to not just take in calories. You ever sat on your foot too long or a body part that went asleep? Come on, maybe right now you are like, man, I'm right now. <laughs> sat on something that just went to sleep and you kind of could feel it tingling and you weren't sure how asleep it was, but then you went to stand up and, and walk and it's just dead. Like your foot's just like, eh, you know, you're like, you can't even feel it, you know? And, and, and you're just, it's bad. You're hoping that people aren't paying attention to you. You try to play it off. You're playing like, like it's cool. Like, no, I'm good, you know, I'm good. You know, and then you finally start to, you know, stretch that thing out and get some movement in it and you get it working and it's flowing again. You know, your mind is telling your foot to move, but it's just falling asleep. Your body's not cooperating with your mind, right? It's just like it won't happen. And sometimes we sit on our faith so long that the mind of God in us is telling us to forgive and to repent and to, and to be generous and not to be greedy and to be social and to open up our sphere and to love people and to reach the city. And the mind of God is saying, love our enemies and love those that hurt us and bless those that use us and, and forgive and love and bless and go. And the mind of God saying so many things, but we're, our body doesn't cooperate because we've been sitting on our faith so long and some stuff has just fallen asleep. So I'm just praying today that we're not the dude in first class. We're not the dude putting off that smell. Man, I don't want to be that dude. Because I know there's times in my life when I've got all the faith in the world, but I don't love my, life, my wife well. I don't love my kids well. I've got a stench coming off of my attitude or my behavior. I'm professing one thing, but living something different. And I pray that God would give us the supernatural ability by the Holy Spirit, not by our power, by the Holy Spirit to join our faith and actions today. And that we would cooperate with what the faith we have actually says for us to do. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for an alive people full of action. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us, that you've equipped us, that you said that we are your workmanship. 
and that you've prepared good works for us beforehand, that we might walk in them, not strive in them, not stress in them, not get beat up to do them. I'm not here to beat anybody up, that we would just walk in what you've created us for. And I declare over this house and over every individual here that they have everything in your workmanship. You've made them, prepared them, created them to do what you've prepared for them to do, that they have what it takes. I pray that we would leave here today encouraged and that we would cooperate and our faith and actions would be joined together and our city would be impacted and lives would be transformed and people would go, wow, that's first class faith. That's a representation of God. I pray for that to happen supernaturally. And then if you're in this place, no one looking around, heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know if you're walking with Jesus. I don't know how you are with God right now. Maybe you need a relationship with God. You need to come back to him or maybe you surrendered years ago, but you're not living with, for him right now. Maybe you never surrendered to Jesus. The Bible says this, that we would surrender to Jesus, give our life to him, that he is God, that he came to this planet to take our sin, our shame, our guilt, past, present, and future, die on a tree to remove all of that pain and that pressure and that guilt and to give us the life of God so that we can have a relationship with a great father in heaven and have eternity. It's not surrendering to religion or church or rules. It's surrendering to a, a man named Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if we would do that, we get a fresh start with God. If you're here this morning, no one's looking around, but I'm going to ask you in a minute to slip your hand up to me. Today is maybe your day. Maybe you've been working and leading your own life and you're stressing and striving and life's just heavy and you can't, you can't do it on your own. You know today's the day to surrender to Jesus, that you want a new life, a fresh start in God. I promise you he can take your life and begin to lead it and do some new things in who you are and give you his life on the inside, give you a brand new heart. Some of you think my heart's too dirty, too nasty. I've done too much. I can't be forgiven. That's a lie from the pit of hell that you can be forgiven, that Jesus took on every bit that you did wrong and he took it on himself to give you all of his rightness and all of his goodness. If that's you today and you say that I need a fresh start, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up on three. No one's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. But if you say, I need a fresh start, Jamie, that's me today. I need to surrender to Jesus. One, two, three. Just put your hand up to me right now. I need a fresh start. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. God bless you, young man. Come on. I need a fresh start. I, I, need, I need God. I surrender today. God bless you. Come on, church. People across this room just saying yes by the Holy Spirit to Jesus, to a fresh start with God. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me right now. Just a simple prayer. There's no magic in the prayer. It's just putting action like we've talked about to our faith of what we believe that Jesus does. He saves. So we're going to pray right now. If you didn't put your hand up and need to, put your heart up in this prayer right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on that cross 2,000 plus years ago. Thank you, God, for coming down and caring about me and removing all my sin and all my guilt and all my shame and all my mistakes. You removed that forever, past, present, and future. You took care of all of it. I'm not going to focus on that any longer. I'm going to focus on you from this day forward. Thank you for giving me a brand new heart, a heart that's alive and removing a heart of stone that's dead and cold. God, I'm alive to you today by the power of the Holy Spirit. I give you my life, the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise this morning, this afternoon. Thank you for being bold and saying yes.